I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. So, Yurian, I so it, it, it's been a recurring theme actually in slow mo. I mean, I hosted first my very, 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 very dear friend, uh, the doctor's kitchen, Rupi, Dr. Rupi, who left his medical practice in uh, the NHS in the UK and started uh, to be one of the famous, if you want, chefs if in, in the UK, basically teaching people healthy eating habits mm-hmm. uh, that prevents medicine. Uh, I did that last year, and then this year uh, I hosted, a f- you know, a couple of months ago, Dr. Uh, Rangan Rangan Chatterjee, who's uh, uh, used to be the uh, host of a, a show in the UK called uh, Doctor in the House, and then he basically is also really, really contemplating leaving the medical practice to be able to give people uh, prevention. Really, that you know, he, he he his conversation when we spoke on slow mo was all about. I can help so many more people than just see 10 patients a day by actually helping them never need to go to the physician. I think both of them uh, uh, share the same theme as you, which is the idea that you're in charge of your well-being. You can do things by listening to your body, by doing other things that can make you healthier. So th- first, I want to I learn a bit about your story and why you make that choice. Why, why did you choose to drop your medical practice? Well, of course it was my choice to do that, but uh, the path to that choice, that wasn't really a choice of mine. So uh, as in many people's lives, there were some yeah, some uh, events that, um, yeah, that uh, threw me down. Mm. So there were problems in my work, there were problems in my family life, and I got in a sort of burnout mm. and that was the moment that I yeah, realized that general medicine would not help me mm. and that I had to restore the and the connection between me and myself actually between me and my feelings and my emotions and that was the start of a yeah of a journey in which I found out that many people who came to me in my practice with all kinds of complaints, physical or mentally, that it wasn't about the complaints that were that they were coming for. It mm. was about something else, something that was not working in their life because they were in a in a toxic job or in a toxic um, relationship, and that they have to change something in their lives. And it was their body who who shouted at them and said, "Well, there's there's something wrong in your life, and you have to change it." And um, that it can be a very valuable question to ask yourself, okay, what if this complaints that I'm feeling, what if that is there for me? So it is, the, it is not something to, uh, to bother me, but it is really there to... Um, so Alert we're me. distracted by a little no, it's bird. That's wonderful. <laughs> I, I love it, yeah? yeah? Don't worry about it, yeah. <laughs> So it's not it's not there to to discomfort me, but yeah, no, it's yeah. there to uh, tell you something, mm. 
and to wake you up and to make you alert and that you can ask yourself that question. Okay, if this is there for me, what what do I have to change in my life so that it is really good and right for me? So, so you're, you're saying that pain is a good thing for us. I, I think that's a very, very important point to cover. But I want to I wanna continue a tiny bit on the track. So you, you go through this uh, realization that you're not really enjoying what you're doing, that it's not working for you. No. And so you, dec- you, you did you work on yourself first and then decided to give that to others? Did you find the path through your, uh, your pain, uh, not through medicine? No, not through medicine, really by um, and do all kinds of coaching pro- programs, all mm-hmm. kinds of holistic things, more from a more broader perspective. perspective. Um, so I, I actually did everything you can think of about uh, exploring yourself and about mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, making you know, working on your own growth. Yeah, I mean, this is, if you don't mind me saying, not a typical. Please don't be offended, but this is not the typical man behavior. We're not very, uh, the masculine side of us is not very good at getting in touch with ourselves, is it? No, I'd, um, I think we we all have it, even men have it, and they have it, but um, we have not learned to make contact with it because a man um supposed to be strong. And yeah. Boys don't um, cry, type thing. Yeah, and we learn it also in the in the little fairy tales. We <laughs> see the, the men are the are the people who are strong and uh, who um, cannot be hurt, and yeah, they don't feel sadness. They are not. Yeah, um, how do you say that? Um, you don't break under yeah, pressure. They don't break. Yeah. yeah, but but you see, do you do you find that to be true in your practice? That you know. You see that there are a lot of men that are breaking but hiding it. Yeah, and the way they they hide it is by working harder and mm. taking their responsibilities and their uh, all that they have to do, so that society has learned them. Mm. So that you are responsible for your family and that you are responsible for the feelings of others and that you are responsible for everything that you yeah. have built on. And, and, you can't, and you can't break. I mean, I remember, I always repeat this because he's one of my favorite bosses ever. I had a boss at Google who was quite tough, I have to admit, but uh, he taught me so much, probably more than any boss I ever had. And one of his very, very famous sentences is that when things become tough, uh, normally we tend to do more of what we know how to do best, which, you know, in the case of them, you know, manly masculine is to push ourselves even harder, right? The things are tough because we're pushing ourselves hard and we just go ahead and push ourselves even harder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our problems in our lives do not come because we do nothing. The most problems in our lives exist because we choose to go into action. Oh, that's so interesting. So what you're saying is, if we if we do nothing at all, most of the problems will go away. I mean, if I go and sit on a beach somewhere and just not engage with life, my problems will go away. Well, there's there's a big difference between not engaging and uh, not doing anything. Mm. Okay, you can you can uh, make the choice to stay in the discomfort, 
and feel all kinds of feelings around you and just the, the reflex is to go into action mm. but you can also make the uh, make the choice okay I choose to do nothing just be just be be with the discomfort yeah and from out of that space that's coming out of the not doing there you get time to ask yourself okay what would really contribute between the relationship between me and myself yeah what would really be um, a sincere decision mm. so instead, that, that, instead of that we go into a reflex um, in which we um, aggravate our decisions and the steps that we made with the obligation to bring us mm. on a better place yeah I mean, I, I write about that significantly in chapter 10 of uh, That Little Voice in Your Head, where I basically say that most of us are just so driven to take action. By the way, masculine and feminine, sadly, the, the modern world is driving us to, to believe that the only way you can make progress is to take action, while in reality, you have to be first. You have to become fully aware to connect, to find out, uh, you know, before you take any action, because otherwise the action will work against you. Yeah, yeah. but that's not the way we learned it. Absolutely not. That's not the way we were conditioned to be. Can I ask you openly, when you made that choice, uh, did society support you at all? Did your family support you at all? Uh, uh, here you hit the point. Uh, no, of course not. Mm. Or not of course not. But uh, in, my, um, in my life, in my journey, I got very much resistance on mm. the moments that I make the choices that were good and right for me. So mm. uh, I was in practice with more than 3,000 patients and um, a lot of assistants. And also my father was in the practice. He was mm. a general practitioner as well, and he worked with me or for me in the practice. And when I decided to go another way in another direction, um, a lot of people did not like that. Mm. And... Um, yeah, on a crucial point in my life, my father couldn't follow me. So yeah, that, uh, that was pretty difficult. But at the same time, uh, just because of this, these circumstances, I could find out, okay, it, is not, it, it will never be that way that I can, that I can serve anybody in my life. Mm. So... On that point, I made two decisions, actually. And one decision was that when I stand at the end of my life and I look back on my lifeline, that I could make, could say that I was uh, reliable or, how do you say it? Um, um, successful? No, not successful. That I was really um, true. true to myself. True, yeah. And not to other people's. And oh, that I could be where I really wanted to be and not yeah. who I had to be in the eyes of others. And the other decision was that I didn't want to make decisions anymore out of fear, but much more out of desire and what I longed for. Oh, I, I can talk about this for an hour and a half. I think we, we can't pass those. So you're saying, I want to be who I want, not what others want me to be. And... If I make a decision driven by fear or worry or anxiety or any derivative of fear, then it's the wrong decision. I should, I should do, make decisions based on what I want to do, 
what I feel like doing what is true to me. Yes. How, how do you know the difference? Uh, now, again, to, to stay and not go uh, right into a reflex action, mm -hmm. just, and just stay and ask yourself in the space that is uh, coming out of it, that you ask yourself, okay, what if I would be really friendly to myself? What decision would I make? Mm. And not just friendly, but really friendly. How can I make a sincere decision? Not, sin not even sincere to society or to other people, but how can I be a sincere person in the relationship between me and myself? Mm. And the other question is, what would really contribute to the relationship to, the, to me and myself? Mm -hmm. And if you ask yourself these two questions and you take time for it, then, well, not, it's not always so that we right away know what is good for us, but we do know what is really wrong. Mm -hmm. We know it when we uh, are lying. We know it when we do a kind of behavior because we want others to like us, that we are a nice, kindly, and lovely person, but that deep inside we feel it's the wrong way, it's the wrong direction. So it's not always clear what is good for us, but we do know it when we it's go not, a wrong direction. I think this is very, very, very wise. Actually, I'm, you know, it is. It's normally uh, I, I normally talk about uh, the development cycles of us as humans and the reality that. You know, our prefrontal cortex develops really, you know, in your mid-twenties sort of, but your limbic system, which is responsible for your emotions and passions and so on, happen earlier in life in your teens. And so you can see that people in their late teens and early twenties will make lots of emotional decisions. And only by, I believe, by late twenties do we start to go like, okay, you know what? I don't really know what's good for me, uh, but I sort of know what's not. Right, And suddenly you wake up to that fact that I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I still don't know what I want to do, but that realization in itself is such a valuable discovery that, you know, too much drugs, mm, no, not good for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And you could have known it all along, but somehow we just don't realize that. And, 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 you know, people normally push us actually externally to tell us, Hey, you should know what you want from your life. I think a very important thing is to know what you don't want first, right? Yeah, I'm not, I, I always say to the people that I uh, guide that they say, well, I'm not interested in what you do not want. Mm. I'm interested in what you want in life. But mm. here you say a very uh, valuable uh, point because um, sometimes what you not want is going to open the way to what you really want. Yeah. If you know what you do not want anymore in life, then the opposite is the way. Yeah, or, at, le or at least the empty spaces. Like if you have a big game board and you say, I don't want that quadrant and I don't want that quadrant, then your choices become a little clearer that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And so, so with that... Well, that's, that's mm. also nice because what you say here, it's going to be clearer. Mm. That's not the same as that it's going to be easier. Yeah. And I th I was, that was going to be my next question. So you get all of that resistance and that doesn't make it easy at all, but you still continue on your path and you say, you know what, I'm not going to do what the whole society is telling me. I'm not going to be a, a medical doctor and make a lot of money. I'm just going to follow my passion. 
Yeah, and that you have the confidence in it that that, that will give you the life uh, what you strive for. Mm. With uh, yeah, what's a good life? The ingredients for a good life is that you not only are happy and healthy, but also that you um, yeah feel that you are fulfilled, that mm. you give value to the world, not only value to your own life, but also value to the lives of other people. Is this important for everyone you believe? Should every one of us give value to other people? No, also that is a choice. You are not obligated to to, uh, um, to give value to the lives of others. Um, but I do think that everyone is... Um, is a value. So um, you and I and everyone, all the people here around us, they are precious. So they they are a preciousness. Mm. And we can bring the most out of our preciousness into this world if we can be totally ourselves. Mm. Not for 60%, not for 70, 80 or 90%, although that's a high percentage. But you can bring the most of your value to the world when you can be 100% yourself. But that's a scary place. <laughs> Because when you are going to be 100% you, and you are going to make the decisions that are right and good for you, then it's not the question if you will be judged. It's not the question if you will be rejected. It's the question when. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, in my opinion, you can better be prepared on that moment when the rejection will knock on your door and that you not uh, go away, run away in all kinds of reflexes because you just want to be a very nice and lovely person in the eye of others. So, are you willing to be rejected? Are you willing to be uh, cast out? Are you guys listening? I think this is really important. Um, I have to admit, even I am, I'm, I'm old. I'm quite uh, um, contented with what I have done in life. It's so difficult, right? I, we were talking before we started recording about my that little voice in your head, and you know that I'm getting so many positive reviews. People are even saying it's as good as Soul for Happy, which Soul for Happy is a piece of my soul, really. It's like really my my child when my child left the world. And I still look at it, and every now and then I say like, oh, those three sentences are not there, uh, you know, and or that's that sentence there is one too many, and I keep criticizing myself for it. Again, I'm almost constantly, uh, you know, as much as as aware as I've become, it's very difficult to not fear being a little bit rejected. You know, it's, it's in, in this case, I'm looking at my book and saying it could have been a little bit better just because I don't want to lose a single reader. Uh, but isn't that a fear of rejection too? Yes, it is. But the, the question is, who is leading who? Explain. Yeah, because I think that and that little voice in your head is also there for you. Mm. Because uh, when it's um, keep on saying, well, you should little change this sentence because you could reach more uh, readers, etc. Um, there's something good in it. Mm. Okay, so uh, it's a kind of perfectionism 
Um, some people will say, well, you shouldn't be so perfect, perfect. But I think that it gives you the opportunity to get out the best of yourself. Mm. So perfectionism is a very good um, behavior. Till the point that perfectionism is going to lead you because you need it to feel you good, certain, or a good person, mm. or that you are happy, or whatever. Then perfectionism is leading you instead of you leading the, the ability to be perfect. Mm. So is the book leading you so that you are uh, feeling good? Or, are, do you, or do you still have the leadership over the outcome of the book? That's very interesting. And imperfection in that case, in your definition, would be 100% you. So, so perfection is not compared to others. It's compared to who you actually are inside. Yeah, and you will never be perfect. Mm-hmm. One, one of the most, uh, one of the points that we sorrow so much in this life is because we want to be a perfect person. Yeah. But you will never be. You are not perfect. And it's, that's exactly the way it should be. Because when you are not perfect, you have the ability to grow, to learn and to work on your character. Mm. So it's very worthy, very valuable when you are not perfect and you are making mistakes in your life because you are exactly that. You are a human. So Mm. you make mistakes. You go here and there the wrong way. Mm. And that's That's okay. And that's an opportunity. Yeah. 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 And you are the one who choose. Yeah. I think that's very profound as well. I think the idea here is to say to ourselves, um, I mean, I, I, I use video game analogies all, all the time, but you know, if, if you're a perfect video gamer and you get every shot right, it becomes really boring, honestly. It's, you know, the, the biggest fun in the game when it was that headshot that you shot, you know, <laughs> you aimed for and then you missed it. And you yeah. go like, damn, now I have yeah. to deal with all of the consequences of that, you know, of that miss. And, and in the process, you learn a little more. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that idea. I love that idea of us being in charge. Okay. Uh, do, do you believe everyone has, the, has the, the opportunity to be in charge of their life? I mean, some people will tell you, you don't understand. You know, I have to work two shifts and I have this difficulty and I'm, you know, uh, my kids are doing this or my boss is doing that. Do you believe we're all in charge, even in, if circumstances are difficult? Yeah, we are all in charge. That would offend a few people, no? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. It's, um, there, there's a difference between if you are in charge uh, in your life and um, that there are, happening, there, there are happening in your life things that hurt you or uh, throw you down. But that will not say that you are a victim. Mm. And some people choose to be a victim. Mm. And that's, I think that's even more um, logic to say, well, I'm a victim because of my uh, childhood, because of the work I'm in, or I'm a victim because I have toxic people around me. That's much more logic to think that, and because it's much more easier. But you do not have to take the responsibility of your own life. Yeah. So every time 
when you feel shit in your life, you can say, well, yes, of course, because I had a bad childhood or because I had a really nasty father or mother or she was never in the neighborhood and uh, I have... Um, I have a wrong job and a wrong uh, colleague, uh, etc. Mm. So that's much more logic and easier to say that than to say, well, I'm responsible for my own life, whatever comes at me in my life. Because when you take your responsibility of your own life, you're not only responsible for the, for the nice parts, but you're also responsible for the nasty parts. Mm-hmm. And that responsibility we do not want to feel. Mm. So we we stay in the drama of being a victim. Hold on. So this is actually really interesting. I'm, I think I'm going to offend a few people here. So please, please don't switch off. We're, we're responsible for the nasty part is the Jedi master level of being responsible. I love that, by the way. I believe that, um, again, go back, go, going back to gaming, huh? the, the, the game console only produces the game world. Right, mm-hmm. and and if you make a choice to go a tiny bit to the left uh, at the beginning of the game instead of a tiny bit to the right, a lot of the consequences, a lot of the following events are triggered by that choice of yours to go to the left. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes, you may not be the one responsible for a car accident that happens right next to you, but you know there is a tiny bit of influence that you had on that choice. Are you saying we should be even? aware of that so so that that the wrong things in our life are also slightly because of us um well you're not responsible for the things that happen in your life mm-hmm. but you are responsible for how you deal with it and what uh what are the consequences of the choices that you make so you are responsible for the choices that you make mm. as after the event happens, I think what I'm what I'm saying actually is that even be by responsible, I don't mean to blame. By the way, for mm-hmm. for for our listeners, but we make choices in life. So I I for example make a choice in life to be to only be with people, uh, you know, romantically who are spiritual. I, it's a choice that I make, yeah. right? And because of that choice, uh, uh, you know, I limit myself from a big subset of other opportunities, let's say, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a way, I may miss an amazing soulmate type person because I made that choice. So yeah. I'm, I don't want to blame myself for it, but I want to tell myself openly that missing certain things or sometimes being in the wrong place or what seems like the wrong place is because of something I triggered in the first place, mm-hmm. because of a choice that I made. And I want to feel responsible, not not blamed, not made wrong, you know, not wronged about it, but I'm responsible. I made that choice. It's a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And actually, there are, in my opinion, there are, there are two layers here. Mm. And the first layer is that we often want to make choices in our lives with the best outcome. Mm. And so that we are very focused on the best result mm. or the best compromise. And in my opinion, it is very valuable on moments in our lives when we come at a crossroad and we have to make a choice with big consequences that it can be very valuable to turn it 180 degrees around and that you say, okay, which price do I want to pay? Ah, interesting. And because you always pay price. 
mm. you know, which choice you uh, you will make. So, or you make the choice: I want to be connected with all the people around me and all the things that I already have in my life. And the price that I pay is that I lose a little bit the connection with myself. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to make the decision that I want to be connected and stay connected with myself and make decisions for the good for me so that I can be a sincere and an integral person. But the price that I have to pay for that decision is that I will have to deal with the discomfort, the the unknown, and maybe even the judgment of the, or the rejection of other people. Mm. So which price do I want to pay? And then there, there is no wrong decision. That's so interesting. Yeah, I agree. So... Even when you make a ro- wrong decision, uh, again, your life will tell you or your body will tell you because sooner or later it says, whoa, uh, time out. Mm. And you feel pain in your head or in your body. And um, that's the moment you can ask yourself the question again and say, okay, if this is there for me, what would it actually uh, wants to tell me? Mm. So what should I change in life? Mm. So that I maybe, possibly, go another direction. Mm. And then we come to the second layer, and that's the part, and you said it already, but uh, that you don't blame yourself, so that you stay mild to yourself, and that you can say, well, okay, I made here a wrong decision, and um, but it does not make me a wrong person. Mm. I'm just a human, so I, I'm go somewhere in my life the wrong way and I'm going to adjust. Um, but most of the time what we are doing is when we make the wrong decision uh, or that we have hurt other people, the ones we love, that we are going to put it under the table as if it is not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, there's some melancholy in it, yeah. something sad because mm-hmm. we we so barely want to be a good person that every time we make a wrong decision, we put it beneath the table as if it's not there. Mm. And we put a blanket around it that we say, uh, well, I have to be uh, lovely or I am. I have to be authentic. Mm. Instead of that, we say, well, I've made a wrong decision. Interesting. Can, can I ask you this very personal question, actually? I, you know, I love the Netherlands. I love you people. You're amazing. And the, one of the things I love most about the Netherlands is how direct you are. Like someone would walk to me and say, I dislike your head. And I'm like, why did you volunteer this to me? It's just <laughs> the honesty, right? I love that. I love it so much, right? And are the Dutch people honest to themselves? Are they direct to themselves that way? I mean, you being a Dutch person is probably the only one you can judge, but maybe through your close friends. Do you also tell yourself things so openly? It can be that we are open, but the question is if we are sincere. Explain. Yeah, because we can, we, I think uh, the Dutch people are very good in judgment. Mm. So, and um, we do not bother uh, to stay a few moments and keep our mouths shut, but we, uh, <laughs> we judge right away mm. um, because we think that we know better how life should be than life itself. That's, in my opinion, an arrogant Mm. place to be. But we Dutch are very good to uh, actually twist or going to discuss with reality. Mm. Uh, um, So 
we judge our boss, we judge our children, we judge our uh, parents, we judge our partners, wife or man, uh, husband. Um, but it's easy to judge other people. Mm. And I think, well, the book, yeah, I bent to leave the, the book, and you are the love, is about a path to self confidence and to self respect and self esteem. And I think that one of the, the ways to get more self esteem and self trust and self respect is to stop judging on the other people in a negative way. So we all judge. Some people say, well, I do not judge. I do not believe that personal. I think we all judge, but we have a choose from which place we want to judge. Mm. Positive or negative, you mean? Yeah. And if you choose to be, uh, to judge positive other people, that when you say, well, oh, uh, he is an ugly head, for example. <laughs> and that you say, well... Don't but, uh, say that, that hurts me. No, <laughs> yeah. just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and that you say, well, okay, that could be, but maybe, um, no, maybe he has lost someone or maybe he uh, has have slept a few days or has worked for a really, really hard. So you do not know, mm. okay, when somebody is going to be in front of you at the... Um, uh, at the market store, you can say, well, you're, but you can also think, well, maybe she has a sick child at home and she wants to be home as soon as possible. I love that. So we do not know. And the, the outcome when you're starting to judge positive is that when someone is going to judge you in a negative way, you can say, well, of course that hurts. But also there's going to ring a bell and you say, well, but that's not the, that's not the way I come from. Mm. Because I come from a, yeah, from a from a perspective of love and compassion, for yeah. example. Yeah, one of, one of the top spiritual teachings actually in in the Middle East is the idea of look for seventy excuses. We we use the number seven and seventy quite often. So you look for 70 excuses before you judge another person, right? So like, like you rightly said, you know, they're rushing through the street and maybe cutting you off, uh, in, uh, cutting your lane off or whatever, simply because like you rightly said, maybe their mother is sick or, you know, maybe they're late or maybe they just want to go to the bathroom or whatever that is. Uh, let's talk about this. You are love. You are the love, is it? You bent de liefde. Yeah, you yeah, are very. the love. Yeah, I don't know how you say it in English. I th um, let me tell about the thought behind it. Mm. Um, I think that in many ways we are uh, we are different, uh, and that's good that we are different because that's the fun part of it. <laughs> um, but in essence, we are all the same. I agree. Okay, because we all know uh, how it is to be alone. We all know how it is to feel sorrow. We all know how it is to be angry. And we all, we also have all the same desires and that we want to be seen, that we want to be acknowledged, that we want to be appreciated. And also that we want to, or love to um, receive love, yeah. but also to give love. Yeah. In that way, we are all the same, all the souls that are sitting here are um, are feeling in the sen in essence the same way mm. and in my opinion 
it would be very valuable if we can meet each other on that point and not on how we should be or how we should behave or what is right or what is wrong. So life is not about right or wrong. It's even not about um, good or good bad, or bad etc. Um, it's about what is the, what does it what does contribute the most in the relationship between you and yourself, mm. and then really contribute. Mm. So. When I go back to the question you said, well, are, are Dutch people, they are uh, quite uh, direct. But from which perspective are you being direct? Yeah. Are you doing it to help? Are you doing it to make something better? Are you doing it to share? Are you doing it to ask? Yeah, are you or, doing it to hurt? Yeah, or again, are you doing it to aggravate your relationships with the obligation to make you feel a good Mm. nice and lovely person. Mm. That's not the obligation of the other people. Mm. That's your own responsibility. Mm. Otherwise, you're going to aggravate your relationships, even the relationship with your children, that they have to find you a good father, a good mother, a good person, or a good husband, or a good wife, whatever, or a good employee. It's... It makes a lot of sense, but you know, if, if you're not trying to be good, why do you do what you do? Explain. So, you know, we, we, most of us, we define good differently. Some people will say, I'm, you know, success to me is that I've made a million dollars. Other people will say success is I slept with 10 people or whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. It's weird, but people define success differently. Hmm? Uh, you know, I, I define success as a billion happy people, right? It's, yeah, I, maybe in my mind, I'm completely convinced this is the best uh, objective on earth, but someone else who's championing uh, climate change will say, no, a better objective is save the planet and save 8 billion people or, yeah. you know, save the hungry and feed a billion people, it's, you know. But, but I, I do this because I believe that's the right thing to do, mm -hmm. okay? Now, if you're not driven by the right thing to do, what drives you? Okay, but who is leading who? So when you fail in making one million people happy, what happens to you? I'm totally happy. I, so I, I say, I talk about that publicly, right? Yeah. So it's the, a nice aspiration to have, but making one person happy is as good. Or, okay. you know, trying your best and even failing is still good. Yeah, okay. But that's the way you look at it. Mm. My, my experience is that most of the people have the same desire mm -hmm. and that they want to achieve something, but that the success that they will achieve is responsible for how they feel. Mm. So, um, are you going to aggravate your success with the obligation to give you a good feeling? Hmm. That's, that's a scary place to be. Yeah. So, if, if your because happiness then, depends on your success. Yeah. Then you make your, your well-being is then um, dependent on the outcome of your... Um, of your success, of your... Um, achievements. Achievements. Yeah. Uh, that's a very scary place to be, actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and the separation I find between them, between the effort and the ambition, uh, if you want, and the actual results, hmm, 
is in many spiritual teachings is known as detachment. It's the idea of committing to do the best that you can, but understanding that it doesn't define you and it shouldn't define your happiness. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's also here, it's much more logic to uh, say, well, if I, uh, if I get a good degree on my uh, exam, then I've, I will feel myself happy and confident and secure. It's a very logic way to look at it. Mm. But it's, it is a risky place to be because you make it dependent on something that is outside of yourself. Mm. And, well, I've experienced that uh, the solution, if there should be a solution, is always 180 degrees at the other side. Mm-hmm. You're, going to, you're not going to be successful in your life when you are striving for success. You're going to be successful in your life when you allow yourself to fail. Mm, beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you will not get happiness in your le- life to strive and hunt for happiness. You will be happy in your life when you allow yourself also to be sad. Oh, that's interesting. I allow yourself to be sad, but not not build the environment for yourself to be sad. So if if life gives you a reason to be sad, it's okay to be sad, but don't mess up to the point where sadness becomes your nature, right? Yeah, that you that you use it as an as an excuse mm. for the way you live your life. Mm. because there you have a choice. So, so may, maybe let me close. I mean, I could talk to you for so long, but I'm getting waves all around us of time. So um, let me ask you then my, my typical closing question. If you were to give one tip for happiness of all of the experiences you've had in your life, for our listeners to find happiness, what's your top tip? I think it's very valuable to ask yourself, one or two questions. And the first question is, what would I do or what would I, would I stop with when I would be really friendly to myself? Mm. And the second choice is, or the second um, tip is to ask yourself, what does really contribute to the relationship between me and myself? Mm. And when you ask yourself these questions, these two questions, more often or more times a day, you will stay on course. Yeah. To be kind to yourself and to do what actually gives you, to care for yourself, to do what contributes to you. And maybe one third question, now we're talking about it. And and that's, uh, which price do I want to pay? I love that question so much. I love that question so much. I think of, you know, of the abundance of wisdom you shared today, there are a few gold nuggets that I think are really there for our listeners to consider. You know, there will always be a price. There will always be a price. And I think the question of which price am I willing to pay is such a good question. Because in many ways, life will always be easier when, you, uh, when you're paying a price that you're willing to pay. I think that's definitely, definitely a very good tip. I'm very, very grateful for your time. This has been a wonderful conversation. I am absolutely certain that you'll get a lot of messages from people saying, put your work in English. We want to read that or, uh, or, come, or come back to slow-mo and we discuss a few more of your wonderful tips in English. It's uh, definitely very inspiring, uh, Jorian. I think you're, uh, 
you're on an incredible track and really helping a lot of us uh, see it that way. Yeah. Uh, for for our listeners today, I, I will say uh, that you're in charge. I think that idea of you looking for what is good for you, what is good for your happiness, what, what you can contribute to yourself, how you would treat yourself if you were really kind to yourself is a very interesting uh, thing to take away. Are you willing to be rejected? I love that point. Are you willing to be rejected to live true to who you are? Uh, I am extremely grateful that you came, Yurian. Thank you so much. I wish I could read Dutch to read those, but <laughs> I think you and I will be friends uh, so that you explain it to me page by page. Uh, and uh, for all of you listening, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Uh, I'm going to be recording a few more incredible conversations here in the Netherlands. So uh, look for them uh, in the next uh, few episodes. And um, yeah, if you're... Uh, if you have a Dutch friend that hasn't listened uh, listened to this, share it with them. If you have a Colombian friend as well, who cares? Like share it with someone that you uh, that you feel will benefit from it. Uh, as I always say, this is not my uh, my mission alone. It's all of us. So if you found something that made you happy, please share it with others. And you know all of the other stuff. You know that rated five stars and uh, put a nice comment or whatever. Just help us spread the message. Slow Mo has been doing really really well. We've been in the top five uh, in uh, well-being in many countries around the world, number one in the UK for quite a few weeks now. Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, meet such amazing people who would not have wanted to spend the time with me other than the fact that you're listening. Uh, once again, I'm very, very grateful to Arno uh, Cook and the uh, Book Handle Blocker uh, bookshop here in Hemstede, uh, to the uh, motic.nl uh, team for the production and for my wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friend, Sonia Dippel, who's been uh, truly one of my uh, top allies in the world, uh, who heads the One Billion Happy organization, and who's been uh, really opening doors for us to uh, hopefully make the Netherlands a lot happier. I mean, they're happy enough, but we can make them happier. Um, and with that, I thank you for your time. I love you all for listening. I remind you that um, uh, there is always a, bit, a tiny bit of time for you to slow down. So I uh, love you all for listening and I will see you next time.